When life throws you a curveball, how are you going to handle adversity? Welcome to the Fearless Mindset Podcast, where you're about to go on a journey as I interview security, business, and entertainment leaders on what it takes to stay fearless. I'm your host, Mark Ludlow, and enjoy today's episode. Wow. So they, they go into the new environment, corporate environment, and they... They're so used to a creature of ha- being a creature, creature of habit, humanly speaking, and they just go do what they know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chaos. Add to that the imposter syndrome that they are most definitely. I mean, dude, if you're a 20 year FBI guy, mm-hmm. 20 year secret service person, I know these people. And all of a sudden you're the director of security for a recognizable com- punk company. You're happy at first. And at the end of your first month, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to fire me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And I can't let anybody know. And you internalize that pressure and that struggle. Anxiety starts. Yeah. I call it the insecurity insecurity. Absolutely. Wow. That's true. Yeah. Everybody's on eggshells right now. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And so how do you manage in that type of environment? It's, 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 it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic that I don't think a lot of people think about. And that's why we have such a high leadership turnover in the security industry. Or if we don't have leaders turning over, the people under them are turning over at a massive rate, which is super expensive. Oh yeah. The cost to replace, recruit, the funding, the train. How about the lack of quality from all that turnover? A lack of continuity with a client. And then the people that stay, they become buddies with the client because the client only wants to work with them. And then they get burned out because they can't take a vacation. Because when the client's on vacation, they're working. When the client's not on vacation, they're working. And the client only wants them around. Yeah, that age is going to burn out. Yeah, and get angry. Seven days a week. I mean, I, I've done uh, royal families for three months straight without a day off. Man, in my 30s, that was for hard. Sure. Take two months off just to recover from that. But man, to be on a year-long contract, you're you're burning at both ends and trying to maintain a, a family, kids. Right. You got the, the, the partner blowing you up. They wouldn't need to be back. <laughs> you know, and then, and then add to the equation if there's any trauma from your military service or your mm-hmm. law enforcement service. Right. And now you're under this stress and this, and, and, and don't misunderstand me. Lack of vacation produces stress. If you cannot unplug, mm-hmm. it is For a sure. stressor. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and so if you are in a very stressful environment with no outlet and the consequence is not like, oh, well, you know what? Your deployment is going to be over soon. You're going to be able to chill out on base, recoup until the next cycle. The consequence is you lose your job and your paycheck. Yeah. In an industry that's this competitive, like what if I can't find another job? Wow. What if I don't get another full-time detail? What if I have to go back to scrapping and trying to come up with new work every two weeks? Wow. And we don't talk about this in the executive protection industry. We don't talk about in the security industry very often. But that's what 90% of everybody's dealing with. Everybody's dealing with it. Everybody's dealing with it because, hey, everybody just got cut, what, 100,000 people let go in the Bay Area in the last eight months. And then who knows what's around the corner. Everybody's screaming, you recession, recession, trades are going up. 
I don't know what's happening, but everybody's dealing with what you just explained. And all the, the listeners listening to this are going, oh, my God, he's telling my story. And you're afraid to ask for help because of what you may look like. Mm, wow. We've all been there. That is powerful. Afraid to ask for help. Maybe that's a listener listening right now. You're afraid to ask for help. Maybe you're tipping that bottle or you got some pills from the pharmacy. You're dealing with PTSD. You got some going to see the shrink at the VA or. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the substance abuse that's in the industry, right? Huge. (laughs) It's huge. And, 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 you know, there's good reason to why it is huge, right? To the stress, you got to manage it. How do you manage it? But we're people that are drawn to a purpose higher than ourselves. Absolutely. That want to do important work that makes a difference in this world. And (laughs) so we literally beat ourselves to death to do it. It's an interesting type of person, isn't it? It takes a person of servitude, you know, selfless sacrifice, giving up your life for someone else's protection. Yeah. You take in that, the skill set you learned on the battlefield or a law enforcement officer, and you, you're yeah. trying to do your best, but then your personal life is just falling apart. Yeah. The personal life affects all aspects of your life. If you don't have those things in order under the roof, it's going to transfer everywhere else. Absolutely. It doesn't stay home. You might think it stays home, you know, but it doesn't. You're lying to yourself if you think it does. Maybe you need to seek help. Yeah. And then, and then, and then add to that leaders who tell you, leave that shit at home. Like you don't bring that to the office. Right. And you can't leave it alone. I mean, Mm-hmm. It's not, it's like, it's like, leave your, like your PTSD at home, right? Like there's enough people that are going to be watching this podcast that understand mm-hmm. what sure. that looks like and the feeling of that reality. Like, oh, how do I disconnect from this? Like, it's kind of a thing that's always with me. I try to suppress it as much as possible, but I mean, I don't want to make this a doom and gloom episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there's, there's alternatives, right? I mean, we can, we can get past this. We can deal with this. There's ways we can have the right conversations, right? Right. Wow. How do we, what is the solution, Tim? What, what is your solution to this issue of lack of leadership and people holding this stuff in? Should we, should we make this more of a conversation at a conferences versus hard skilled, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm tougher than you, John Wick, Jason Bourne crap. Or should we bring in some therapists and have them be a keynote speaker and say, hey, guys, gals, doing the depression? Let's talk. You know, oh my gosh, um, that's too filling. That's too sensitive. We don't, we don't go there. Yeah, we do. We're humans. Super interesting, right? So um, I, w- I wasn't at IPSB last year. I was, uh, I was laid off. <laughs> Good excuse. I was laying off. I didn't have the budget for it. Well, yeah, I could have gone. My wife would have let me. Um, would have let you because it's Vegas, right? A lot, a lot, a lot. No, she would have let me. She would have for sure. Uh, A lot of people were telling me I should. Yeah, I was like, oh, is that really the best use of my money? Um, And uh, but you know, an interesting thing happened. Something that's never happened to me before. 
I'm not at a conference. But all of a sudden, my phone and my LinkedIn private message box starts to blow up with video clips and with people being like, hey, Janina Linka is on stage talking about her struggles with mental health. And this room full of type A dudes is all in tears. Every single person is broken by this like beautiful person telling a story of torment. Wow. That's never, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't go to a lot of EP conferences. I go to the bigger, broader security industry conferences because I largely exist within the larger industry, but that doesn't happen. Like we don't talk about bringing those guests in and, you know, you have to applaud IPSB for doing it, but Mm -hmm. I've never at any conference not been there and had so many people blowing me up. Like you should be here right now. I can't believe this is happening. And it's powerful. So I think this message resonates. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. we start with saying there is an insecurity insecurity. Absolutely. And we are all probably dealing with imposter syndrome. You know, you can be like, you can spend a ton of years in Iraq. I spent like four years in Iraq. Mm-hmm. I was super comfortable there. I didn't actually, after a while, feel in danger, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> right? that's, <laughs> that's another that's another problem to talk about. Um, but then walking into a corporate boardroom uh, mm. in Silicon Valley with a, with basically like little 7-Elevens distributed through the buildings, like, why would I have stress? And yet I was terrified. Mm. And it shows us that competency doesn't necessarily translate environments. We get used to a thing. And when we leave that thing, even though we're doing the exact same role, it's a brand new thing. And we need to understand that. Um, So one imposter syndrome, like that voice telling you, you're going to get fired. You don't know anything. That's natural. When you transition from, high threat to dignitary, to corporate, to celebrity. Sometimes even within the corporate environment, you can go from Silicon Valley to East Coast, like conservative or vice versa. And you have no idea how to act and meet expectations. We need to recognize that those are real stressors that people need to work through. And there's a lot of ways to work through them. Uh, mentors are huge. Like if you're in the industry and you need a mentor, you don't have a good mentor, go ahead and reach out to me on LinkedIn. Like I probably don't have time to do it, but I will find you someone that will do it. There you go. There's an offer. Um, Because it's important. Uh, But mentoring doesn't mean like you get free stuff. Right. Exactly. You're you're paying for the advice because you got to put in the work, right? The the advice is, Hey, here's here's where you're at and here's where you need to go. Like you need to put in the work to make it worthwhile for the other person who's investing their time in you. You know, what I found out, Tim, for me was uh, having mentors in outside this industry. Yeah, that's where that's where I got mentorship from. I could go to John Maxwell conferences, 20,000 people being in an auditorium, listening to John Maxwell talk about leadership. Motivational guy, man. I invested my, my, in my own resources to go to a conference for three days to check out. I yeah. need to know what people did 
in other businesses to be successful? How do they thought? You paid to check out. I did. Absolutely. Right. Thousands because you of had that stress building, right? Yep. I had, to, I had to know what they knew. If I'm going to build a business, I need to know how they think. I'm not going to get Absolutely. it from the EP industry. Because EP industry are made of what? A, alpha personalities. They're territorial. Naturally, they're not going to give up any information. They don't want to be... It's, they don't want you to be successful because you're competing with them. You're Why competing. They, it's exactly. So I had to go outside my industry to get that information and I had to pay. Yeah. People are like, well, are you going to go to some freaking pyramid scheme thing? Well, of course you're going to think that because you work for, you work at W2 job. Of course you think it's a pyramid scheme. You don't know anything different. I'm running a business. It's a different right. mindset, folks. When you run a business, being compared to being a field agent, it's night and day difference. It's two different ways of thinking. And so I get around power of association. Yeah. And power association is huge. And to this day, her talk is the most talked about talk from that conference last year. Dude, she killed it. Utterly killed it. She did. I mean, she, she reset the bar for what an engaging talk looks like. In, in the security industry. Like, I'm glad I wasn't speaking at that conference because people tell me I'm a good speaker, but if I had to come after Janina, I would have Forget about I, it. I would have left. Here's the mic. Uh, I drop it on the table. Yeah. I'm just, hey, why don't you do another one? Just talk. What you you want to talk about my topic? Go ahead, Janina. <laughs> but she killed it. I, I was lucky you saw her for about a minute. She was so busy. Everybody wanted to talk to her, of course. And they just wanted to share how they felt, you know, and she yeah. she touched what, 800 people that weekend? Yeah. And I, I saw her for a minute, gave her a hug. And, and then I came down with, wasn't COVID, but I, came, I was one of the 50 people that got sick that weekend. So I was in a hotel yeah. at the Palm for next six days, sicker than a dog. <laughs> the, the Vegas bed uh, or whatever it was. But yeah, it was so powerful. The next thing that I think we should be doing to get past this is yeah. asking ourselves, why am I doing the thing that I'm doing? Because all of us come from a background which has given us our competency to come into the security industry. And we are all drawn to try to do the thing that either made us successful in the past or kept us out of trouble in the past, that insecurity thing, over and over and over again, we try to rationalize it within the structure of whatever problem or organization we're facing, hoping that it's going to work again. And, and so we need to ask ourselves, why do I do these things? Like specifically, write it down point by point. Well, I solve these problems these ways. Why? And list why you do it. And then look around, like, do these risks and this criteria, does it actually exist here? Can you take the same mindset? The mindset's good. The implementation is not good. Same with the leadership principles, right? The leadership principles you learn in the government, in the military, they're good. The application is different. It doesn't work very well in the corporate security area. Um, so ask that question so that we are acting and designing in a relevant manner that we can explain in detail without feeling like we have to hide what we're actually doing. You got to change the way you think. You have to be more open-minded and thoughtful, less reflexive. Mm -hmm. When I started running my business, what I learned is 
I can use my brain to run the business. I have to use mentors and my CFO, former CFO of Good to Well Industry. He knows a thing or two about finance. Right. And before I make a move, I call Tom. What, what should I do? Yep. A coach will guide you. You may not like the guidance. It may be tough on you, but a coach is going to sure. check you. For success, you can't use your own brain because you'll go to the habits you already have that haven't worked out. Yep. That's why coaching and mentorship is so huge. Yeah. And you only have a single perspective of any mm-hmm. problem, right? So that's another reason why it's good to say, like, I actually... Like I'm the dumbest person in the room. I need these other people to help me holistically understand the problem we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the best way to get into a multimillionaire's mind or maybe get into someone that's dealt with depression, hey, pick up their book. The best way to get in someone else's head yeah. as an author, pick up their book, book and read it. I'm yeah. a horrible reader. I'll admit it. But I've, I've cracked about, I don't know, after I got out of college, I started reading all these self-help books. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, Power of the Tongue. Hung by the Tongue is one good one. And, that's, uh, that's a really good thing um, to bring up. So actually, because I was from the cornfield and I was stepping into this executive protection industry. And what's the first thing I tell you? Oh, you have to network. So I that? have to go in. <laughs> What so I have to <laughs> try to create friends with strangers in order to convince me, convince them to help them give me something that I can't get on my own. Like, first of all, it sounds awkward. Second of all, like I don't talk to people I don't know. I'm from this small town in rural Illinois. I literally had to buy books on how to do small talk on how to hold a conversation and actually how to dig into a meaningful conversation because I had no experience, mm-hmm. you know, everybody in your small town. So you can just banter around with somebody that you have everything in common with, and you know, their entire life story. And then you go into a completely different world. I had to buy the book. And, and you know, it's interesting because I'm known as being the guy who will go in and have the conversation with anybody. Mm. I was not that way. Wow. That's cool. When you're explaining that, I was recommended a book right out of the, I got out of the Marine Corps, went in corporate America. He said, you need to work out your people skills because they suck. I had a mentor tell me that. I'm like, really? Oh, wow. You're not a Marine anymore. No. I'm like, you need to go pick up the book called, uh, by Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence, influence people. people. First book I read out of college. It's on the bookshelf. It's a good I'm book. Like, Oh, shoot. Oh, crap. I got to change the way I think. Well, start reading. Yeah. And there's a lot of information on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of people I follow. I don't want to give them creds on this because it's just uh, my personal thing. But personal growth is huge. It is. Go to conferences. Go to conferences outside the industry. There's tons of conferences. I'm not going to, uh, I don't, I don't want to advise anybody. Well, you told me to go with this on your podcast. So I'm not going to do that. But I've, I've invested in myself. So many times it's been, it's worth weight in gold and it helped me make, you know, good sound decisions, but using other people's brains that gone before you saves you from making a lot of mistakes. Absolutely. And being open to other ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be. 
Yeah. Because the industry is changing. Technology is changing. We're no longer in the industrial revolution. We're in the information age. And the way we conduct business is changing quickly and fast. Yeah, absolutely. How are you uh, doing for time? Are you up against a hard stop or can we keep going a little bit? I think we got a good flow. Let's keep going. Okay. So the next thing I think we should be thinking about as leaders is what makes a good leader in this new environment? Um, So a friend of mine, Rob McKenna, he's the CEO of Wild Leaders. They're based out of the Seattle area. First of all, I will I will say this on your podcast. You can bleep it out if you want, but every Friday they have something called the Wild Conversation. Ron Warman, an icon in our industry, you've interviewed him. He turned me on to it as COVID set in. It is a free one-hour leadership workshop on Zoom. Cool. There you go, folks. The Wild Conversation, Wild Leaders. Um, and you know what? There's a ton of security people <clears throat> um, recruited by Ron and myself and nice. probably other people as well um, who are there. And, and, it, and it's interesting. It's some of the best networking outside of the security industry I've ever had. Um, awesome. Wow. And then so he tells the story of um, a presentation that he was watching at Microsoft bunch of years ago and it was a leadership seminar that was being done and somebody raised their hand and said what is the i hope i'm not butchering this story hope brad doesn't watch this but what is the (laughs) single biggest or best indicator of leadership potential and the guy thought and he said the person who can express themselves the most clearly with the least amount of blame. Whoa. Least amount of blame. Ownership. Not only ownership, you're absolutely right there, but not seeing is not seeing life as me or you. It's not mm-hmm. a zero sum game. Right. Um, I actually just recently wrote an article about this. So I, I'm, I'm a, Leadership columnist in the Security Journal Americas. Shameless plug. That's kind of fun. Good job. Um, I, just I saw wrote, that. Thank you. I just wrote um, an article called "Me or We," and and we wrote the 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 most basic in my mind choice as we develop our own leadership philosophy is: is it about me or is it about we? The most engaging leaders, the most inspirational leaders, the leader that we all aspire to because we've watched the war movies. We've, we've, you know, had those leaders in the military and in the law enforcement that everybody was just drawn to. And we think it was about them, but it wasn't, it was about everyone else. And that's why they were inspiring. That's why people were drawn to them and trusted them with their lives is because while they were bold, while they had a vision they were not thoughtless with other people. They weren't thoughtless. Holy crap. Servant, servant mindset. Servant leadership absolutely describes that. But more importantly, when trouble comes and trouble will come when you're a leader and trouble comes when you're not a leader. But when trouble comes, is it about me or we? Am I more interested in preserving myself or my position 
or the integrity, trust, and a and 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 working environment of the people I'm I'm caring for. And and if you'll step up and say, hey, the team is solid. You know what? I know you have this feedback. You're not satisfied with how this thing went, how the program's running. That's great. We can work through that. But the team is solid. And so as long as I'm in charge, there's no repercussions getting to the team. Not for this. There's no malicious intent. We may have made a mistake. Things may have happened, but things are always going to happen. Um, and, and also, we need to understand that most businesses, most clients, they have it backwards. They think if they get security, security incidents won't happen. Mm. But we need to help them understand that they're buying security because intuitively they know incidents are going to happen and we need to be there to see, recognize and manage them on behalf of whatever client stakeholder organization that we have. Um, we're not the cause of the incidents. And even and we need to talk to HR, we need to talk to legal, all of these people say, look, sometimes when a security incident happens and we respond and we reach a really good security resolution, it's not a good outcome for the business. Often, if security mitigates and has to act, they create a legal or HR problem. They create residual risk on behalf of another stakeholder. We need to be open and honest about that. We need to map that risk out like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're thinking about it. And when these threats emerge, here's how we're dealing with it. And by the way, our actions, while appropriate and successful, are going to create further problems and risk for the organization. We should have that conversation now on how we deal with that, what the strategy is. Um, or else it becomes, you guys did something wrong. You're at fault. Even when you did a perfect job. Wow. That was a lot of meat right there. <laughs> well, I'm fat. I don't work that out was, anymore. That was a lot of steak and potatoes and uh, hash browns on the side. That was amazing. How you just broke that down was crazy wild. Wow. All I can say is well to that one. <laughs> that was Thanks. incredible. A lot of gold nuggets for the audience. I'm uh, thinking you just uh, gave a lot of advice to risk mitiga mitigation folks, leadership in those roles on how to how to survive those issues. Yeah, if they're not if they're paying attention, they probably rewind this and play it back again. But you know what? It's hard to have that conversation with somebody who's more important than you. Uh, a lawyer, an mm -hmm. HR director, if you're concerned about preserving your role, you uh, would just hope that nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And when something happens and it comes back to you, will you have the strength and integrity to stand there and take the brunt of it and deflect it from your team? Or are you going to allow it to come pass through to your team, hoping to still be in charge afterwards? It's that right. insecurity and security that, that I love to talk about because I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. What, what a lot of agents don't realize is they think the principals are making these decisions. They are, but guess who their advisors are? The CFO, Absolutely. the C-suite, and the lawyers are giving them tons of legal advice. 
So it's not usually the principal making the decisions. They're being advised by their leadership and their shareholders and the lawyers come in. These lawyers are, you know, big, some, some of the biggest law firms in the world are giving yeah. advice. Hey, you need to do it this way. And so the agents are getting the, the brunt in of those decisions on why are they picking on us? Well, it's coming from those guys. And the, that principle is just the messenger to you guys, your team, what to do. There we go, sir. That's what happens when you have cold water in an Nalgene bottle and it sticks to the coaster right there. That was nice. So, folks, you just got some great advice and a fumble on the coaster there. And uh, that was what that was. Hey, it happens. Go with us. (laughs) How it goes. So, so I need to plug Tim a little bit. Um, He just got promoted and taken on a new role at Krill Business Consulting. It's one of the biggest firms in the world, probably. They do tons of big stuff. Yeah. And congrats on that. That must be so you go from tech, now you're with crawl going, holy cow, this is a different beast. This is a different animal I'm dealing with now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm an associate managing director in the security risk management practice at Kroll. That's a mouthful. Um, but the interesting thing is they deal with so many different companies across different industries on so many different types of problems, some things that you would say are mundane, but there's a lot of really interesting, difficult to define problems that they get called to work on. Problems that are gonna end up in litigation, problems that are gonna end up in front of Congress or the EU parliament, like problems that you see play out on TV. Mm, Um, Wow. And that is special. Like wow. I was really lucky to be at, at Facebook slash meta. I have a hard time remember, like thinking like, what should I call them? Because like, I was, this is like Facebook for like eight years and then like two years meta. I like Facebook better, but that's all right. Me too. But you know, when I was there, um, you know, I was there for a, a bunch of, for, there was just like a year and a half post IPO. Um, Mark became, you know, a big business celebrity, Cheryl Sandberg was on the rise as well. Um, They were often in the public light making news. A company that's literally everything they do and produce is being done and produced for the first or second time in human history. I mean, Mm. crazy. It is. And so whether it's Cambridge Analytica, whether it's like all of these different things, we were in the spotlight. And so I, I got the opportunity and the privilege to help that company manage a lot of risk that was not clear, easily defined. And so that's why I was excited to join uh, the team at Kroll. Plus I didn't apply for that job. uh, What? You didn't didn't apply for it? Until after my boss asked me if, if I wanted it. And that kind of goes with that whole thing of like, I want to be a joy to work with. I've worked with, uh, my boss and this company for like seven years. And when he was able, he wanted to bring me in. Um, and obviously like I had to meet the criteria and everything, but that is just another nugget for the people who are thinking about how to make my career. That is four continuous jobs that I have not actually applied for to get in the door. That is crazy. 